Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And we are completing our review of Batman the Cult with a look at issue number four, of course, by Jim Starlin, Bernie Wrightson, and Bill Ray. It's <sighs> totally satisfying ending, I thought. Yeah. I have some questions about the, the plot and the continuity here. I think, mm-hmm. I think there's some some stuff that could have been done a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But man, I was just swept up in this comic. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that. I really enjoyed it. I um I feel like it's a definitely, I mean, we've talked about this before, but this comic is definitely influenced by Dark Knight Returns. Mhm. And just uh down to the uh the tr- the the bat truck or whatever it is. <laughs> Uh, and the violence and the gore <laughs> it's actually even it's like taken up to the next level you know the fact that batman fights a cult of people too mm-hmm. just like the the people in dark knight yeah and the violence you know and just uh the blood and the guts and it's pretty crazy but it also stands on its own i don't think it's the same book at all as dark knight returns Right, yeah, it's right. got its own feel, its own attitude. I think it's a lot grimmer comic than Dark Knight Returns. Like Dark Knight Returns kind of ends in this heroic moment. Yeah, and this book just kind of ends with, yeah, things are kind of back to normal. Okay, mm-hmm. there's nothing like really kind of super compelling about it in terms of like a happy ending or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like all four issues, it starts with just a brilliant Bernie Wrightson horror scene. Mm-hmm. The zombies attacking. Yeah. Did uh did Bernie Wrightson ever do any EC comics? He must have been too young for it, right? Oh yeah, much too young. Because he yeah. came around in the 60s. But his biggest influence was Bram Ingalls, Ghastly. Ah, okay. That's what I was gonna say. He must have been influenced by. And you can see a lot of Ingalls line work in Wrightson's line work. Like there is a lot of echoing of the of his work mm-hmm. in Wrightson's work. I mean, they are so kind of closely aligned with each other. Um, and like the way he draw these zombie faces, I wonder if I picked out an old DC comic if I could find like really similar looks on the on the zombies' faces. Because um, yeah, there, you know, just something about Wrightson, like this kind of dripping horror that he does, you know where everything's just a little bit kind of decrepit and beat up. Um, like the the face on the zombies, the, the teeth on the zombies' faces mm-hmm. in the second story page, like just feels like something right out of Ingalls. Yeah, ghastly Graham Angles. Ghastly Graham Angles. Yeah, have you read much of that stuff? No, but I do have the artist edition. So after this, I'm going to check it out. Yeah, tell me if I'm wrong. No, I think that I've seen some of the artwork in the artist edition, or I recollect some of them, and I do see the zombies are like, yeah, they're very much like Graham Angles. Although at times I feel like maybe Bernie Wrightson is a little bit better draftsman, but I don't know. Yeah, well, that's the other thing about this book, right? I mean, Wrightson at this point, he really started in comics in the early 70s, 72, I think, was... uh, when Swamp Thing came out, they'd been doing a lot of art before that. Mm-hmm. Basically, a fan who made good. So this is from 1988-89. So he'd been a professional for 15 years plus mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. this point. 
so yeah i mean he's it's got his own refinements i mean Engels, the time he worked for ec had probably been he probably entered the industry in the late 40s 46 47 40 somewhere in there mm-hmm. and so he's doing his ec work in the early 50s 53 is probably his peak mm-hmm. into 54 so he had like five or six years experience mm-hmm. plus rights yeah. and left for a while to work in fine art and he was hanging out with you know people like barry winter smith Right. So he had that as an influence too. Like they were literally sharing a studio. So he was seeing this guy with this fine art approach to things. Um, so yeah, I think they're like, it, it's definitely a very strong influence, but I think that his career kind of went that somewhat different direction. Do you think when looking at um, like Bernie Wrightson's, you know, Swamp Thing and his horror, when you look at that, I mean, of course, all this stuff that you mentioned is influenced, but when you look at the horror books and Swamp Thing and other stuff and you compare them to the later 80s Batman like you know I think he did like Batman and Predator 2 or something Mm -hmm. Predator as well like the art is a little bit different now it seems like it's more like in line with like more realism whereas in the past it was more kind of like angly circular I don't know drawings yeah and maybe the cult is a little bit of the pivot because he's playing with both the kind of looseness they had in his earlier work and that kind of more realism in his newer work. Mm. He, he did those couple books with Steve Niles at Dark Horse in the mm. 90s. And they do look, they look similar, but they almost look like, I don't know, the characters have had a facelift or something. Mm. Just a little smoother, a little slicker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, maybe a, maybe that's the influence of like com- the computer um helping him with his work too but oh. there's like an angularity here mm-hmm. yeah. you know like like this very slight bits of imprecision that i think really make his work even more yeah. powerful yeah I, I you know, love- like you know like there's some artists who like because they can do like updates in photoshop and just align things just right like it looks a little too slick i don't <laughs> think Wright's never quite got there but i think it's a lot less kind of handmade that has a lot little less of a handmade feel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean his swamp thing looking at it now it's definitely the work of a younger artist though mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like there's a big wouldn't you say there's a big difference between the swamp thing work and this comic i'd have to look at that absolutely i mean i think it's uh it's definitely i don't know in terms of um it's less realistic i mean i don't know how to say it i don't have the words for it but uh, but yeah, I, I don't necessarily think this is better, although I love this. You know, I don't, I'm not saying that either. I love this. I love the way it, I feel like this is more mainstream, but yet still Bernie Wrightson. I think this is also showier too. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's more him like really showing off his like page layouts and his like, you know, he probably, they probably have the zombie scene at the beginning um, because he wanted to do a zombie scene. Yeah, and exactly. So he got to sh- so he got to show off where the scenes where Batman's being tortured in the first book, like he probably really wanted to do that kind of thing. That makes total sense because in a little, in a way, it's kind of out of place. It's like, yeah, whatever. Like, I mean, it is, it's kind of out of place. It's like, oh, okay. Why are they zombies? Was there anything that said the parents would be dead people coming back? Yeah, it just doesn't quite, yeah. it, it feels a little illogical or something. Mm-hmm. Though I got to say, when he does the origin story in the page and a half, mm-hmm. 
that's just beautiful work don't you think oh yeah 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 it's uh it's beautiful with his parents and stuff and the the bat did this come before or after batman year one because the pose of bruce over his mom and dad's body is as the criminal runs away that's like a direct echo of matzo kelly i bet you this is after because that was 88 right year one yeah and this is it it says copyright 91 well this is 88 too i guess i guess there they might either be concurrent or this has to be after well, that's what I wonder, like, how, how much influence he took on it. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, I feel like the, um, the Batman movie um, was so much influenced by this, the, the ones in, uh, in Nolan. Yeah. Super Nolan, like, like that whole scene of, like, overcoming my fear, you know. And I feel like this was the book they looked at, especially... The last one where he fights, you know, the Bane in that in that movie, it's the same type of thing, like a cult. Oh yeah, and like how they're marching to to attack him, all that yeah. good stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, and then like uh, when he visits in this book, in this comic, he's visiting uh, Jim Gordon, and Jim Gordon's like, "Go get him," you know. Uh huh. You know, yeah, it's pretty cool. Although this. Yeah. I really like that scene in the hospital, too, between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Although this one is um, is Batman and Robin. I think the one thing I would complain about this whole, you know, four-issue miniseries is Robin is just kind of out of place with his costume. I cannot, like, they're showing him putting in their armor, and, like, they show him, like, Robin putting his slipper on, like, a... I know it's like you're not even putting on any socks, dude. Come on. It's like, what the hell, man? <laughs> and then he's tucking in his little shirt. It's like, uh-huh. come on. yeah, they're all armoring up, and and Robin's uh, putting on his cute little suit. Uh, <laughs> year one did come before this book. Year one was uh, eighty six, I believe, mm-hmm. late eighty six, almost immediately after the crisis. Yeah, nobody. No wonder everybody wanted uh wanted him dead. <laughs> this is the Robin that got killed, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, like it just feels so weird that page where like Batman's pulling on his leather gloves and Robin's putting on his little booties. Yeah, that's uh, and so that that's the only thing that I can really complain about, and then of course the uh, the trope of the TV screens that was really prevalent after Dark Knight Returns. So that's the question I was going to ask you. So they use they use uh, I should say using proper nouns. Starlin uses the the uh, TV screens to to tell part of the story. Mm-hmm. They tell a story that's off screen, right? There's a story about. The armor train to attack and they get wiped out mm-hmm. and it's all told in the panels and i kind of went back and forth in my head whether that was a good idea or a bad idea mm. that uh, was a good question i didn't think of it i thought originally when i was reading it by myself i thought it would be a bad idea but now that you posed that i mean what they did was not good i wanted to see why don't you show like you know that navy seals or whoever they were coming in and 
something happening to them. But in retrospect, as you pose that question, thinking about it, it could be that it might take away from Batman's journey. You know, like it takes you to another story, whereas in like you want to concentrate on Batman's. You and I thought completely parallel ways on this. Because, you know, we, we're seeing everything through Batman's eyes. He's our POV character mm -hmm. throughout the whole yeah. story. Yeah. And so to like, and this would have been a giant dramatic action scene, but it wouldn't have had Batman in it. Mm -hmm. And it also would have ultimately ended in failure, which I guess would have increased the drama. Um, but yeah, I kind of ended up feeling like it's better for it to have been off screen because it took away from everything else that was happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And actually there's a scene, I'm, I just saw it. And it's in the previous chat, it's in book three where Batman is looking at the news on TV. So like, if this is actually Batman is looking, this is Batman watching the news, not us. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so in that way, you can also imagine as being like Batman's kind of inner monologue or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Him, th him thinking about all this to himself. Yeah. Huh. I mean, he's watching the news and like, he's seeing the news as we're seeing it. So if you... It's it's not like he's a, he's underground or whatever in a in a in his house or whatever. He's not there with the soldiers who are getting killed. Mm -hmm. So I guess we and every scene I, you know what like it sounds like if this was a movie Batman would be in every single scene almost. Well, I'm not true, because you'll see Deacon in the blood and stuff like that. But most of them Batman is there. Well, and that was the. That was the other thing that kind of went through my mind is we get these scenes with the deacon and his folks. We get the scene early in the book with Deacon's aide saying basically, you know, when he's gone, we'll take over. Mm -hmm. um, and there's no way Batman would have seen that. So we are yeah. getting some scenes that are outside his, his face, true. right? Like on page uh, 19 of the digital copy when the bat when the deacon is, you know, telling his whole kind of backstory. I'm going to martyr myself to you. That's true. Uh, so there is a lot of that. That's true. I mean, I, this is a, you know, this is a monthly comic. They're trying to crank it out. It's not, I can't imagine Starlin wanted thinking about this too much. Yeah. And maybe it's that, you know, if it was a 12 issue book, they could get even bigger. It's kind of like the difference between a movie and a TV show. Yeah. TV show from the old days. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, right. I guess they could have not half asset, but you know, they, they might have been trying to do it quicker. Well, they, I guess there's only 200 pages to tell a story in, too. So, what do you really want to focus on? Mm -hmm. But I, I love this, you know. Because there's one other place in there where I was thinking about the beats of the story, and that's when they come to Gotham Square, right? So, they come, they have the, uh, the deacon does his monologue. Um, right about destroying the world and then uh batman and rob drive their truck into gotham square and the, they, you see the bodies hanging and it you know um they make a comment about it being like something the nazis would have created mm -hmm. it's like a pictures i've seen of the holocaust but we only get like one panel of that whereas mm -hmm. like before we had rights in telling us like this long story about Batman and his delusions, right? And we had a lot of pages of, of Batman fighting through his delusions. Mm -hmm. So that felt a little short. Like it felt like we, in the, they were rushing a little bit to the ending. 
And then a couple pages later, they land in Gotham Square. Mm-hmm. And Robin, there's a f- close-up on Robin. He says, it's deserted. Where is everyone? They're waiting. And then there's the signal. And we don't get like a beat where we see the square is empty. Mm-hmm. We just get everyone attacking. Yeah. And it feels like it could use just another couple pages to like accentuate that drama. Mm-hmm. Do you think that... Do you think that this book sold well? I mean, I have, I don't think we can find any information whether it did or not. I don't think it did. That's my guess. I didn't research sales in 1989-90 for any of my books. So um, I think it it did well enough for them to collect it, but it well, didn't, but it hasn't stayed in print. Yeah, that's the thing. It didn't, this book has not stayed in print and You'll also find a lot of issues, as I did recently, a lot of the early issues in dollar fifty cent bins, which means there were a lot produced that didn't sell, and then people didn't order three and four because it didn't sell as well. And I wonder if it's because it was expensive or violent, or people just didn't like it. Probably both, right? It's probably like a expensive and. It was like an experiment, kind of like Dark Knight Returns, that it didn't work. Not like that. But it, I think in terms of quality, the book really stands up. It is. It's great. It's as good as any Batman book outside of year one and Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, yeah, what do you think of the ending? Did you feel like it was satisfying? Or did you I feel thought like it, was it wrapped good. up a little too fast? Um, I mean, I was surprised that Deacon was crazy rather than diabolical. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like, oh, wow, that's such a cool story. It was like, oh, okay. Um, I thought he had a bigger plan, but it was interesting. And I think that's another thing about like it speeding up or they're speeding up. Because if they had 12 issues, maybe Deacon, the Deacon or whatever his name is, could have been like more diabolical and planned something for long term and his way out, you know? But instead, it just feels a little tight, right? A little bit, like I want a little more ambiguity. Like we never see anything from the guys who are plotting earlier in the issue too. Yeah, we don't see Alan Moore, his henchman. <laughs> That's, <laughs> the guy that That's right, the Alan Moore henchman. <laughs> I mean, that was really interesting, right? Like the he has this, I mean, just to the listeners, like Deacon has this right-hand man who's uh, who actually isn't really bought into the religious aspects of he's just a criminal who Mm -hmm. wants to profit and you know he's among other uh, other quote-unquote prophets of deacon there are two other ones he's talking about when deacon dies they can take over but they don't really show him yeah like to your point they didn't really show what happens to him yeah and then we also don't get as much about robin as i expected we would get he isn't really a main part of the battle. Mm-hmm. He's just yeah. kind of there. He's there, right? He's helpful, but he's he shows not... up in the end. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I was gonna say, he shows up in the end and he saves his life with, like, with his gun or whatever. Yeah, true. Classic uh, buddy scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, I love this. I'm so glad we got to read it. Yeah, thanks for uh, doing this with me. As always, it's always good to go back to the books that I, I've owned for years and have not read. Although there, I think I had read this before. 
I I I don't think I, I had never read it before. And it's one of the books I kind of had on my list forever to get around to reading. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, like this, we we've been we have minor complaints about the story, but the artwork is just so good throughout all these yeah. issues. Mm-hmm. And the coloring, Bill and Ray, the coloring, as you always go. say, Bill Ray's coloring. Even harder because it's not computer colored, mm-hmm. hand colored, mm-hmm. like the the scenes towards the end where Batman's going through the the uh, sewers and the mm-hmm. bodies are hanging down. Oh my god, the the artwork and the coloring in there just makes it this this horror scene. It's just mm-hmm. terrifying. It really works with the paper stock that this my trade paperback has. It's like the newsprint cheap paper. It looks so good. I got to get the hard copies then. We'll look for it next time we get to a convention and pick them up out of the 50 cent bins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can, get the trade, although it's expensive right now. Okay. Well, maybe we'll help push them to bring it back into uh, yeah. back into stock. Uh, do you think Batman has long-term psychological scars from this, or do you think he just moves on? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's got psychological scars. I mean, he killed people, I'm sure this one that was the other thing so they have the machine gun where they shoot people with tranquilizers wouldn't just the force of the bullets go through people's bodies and well he blew up stuff too with the tank right so he killed people right he's got this whole thing about i never want to kill people but you know he has to be killing people because of what he's doing yeah i mean i think that's uh that's part of it that's the I think that's part of being Batman. You just kind of block that part out that you're killing people. You just you try not to. I think they he did say that. He's like, we're not going to be clay pigeons. We'll do our best not to kill people. But I mean, he didn't say it in that little. But what are you going to do, huh? Yeah, yeah, right. So he's kind of sort of in denial of himself mm-hmm. by what mm-hmm. he's doing. Right, he's mm-hmm. kind of claiming he's a hero, even though he's just to, in his own way as villainous as the others or or not above them as much as he wants to be. I guess that's kind of part of the theme yeah. of the story too. Yeah, I always thought Batman's not killing rule is, I think he should try not to kill people, but if he does, you know, it's, it's like, what's the point of like getting Joker or his villains to come back again and again and again, you know? Yeah, I mean, in an odd way, it's his weakness, not his, not a her- heroic element to him. Yeah. Like somebody like Superman, you get it because he's the, he doesn't have an equal, but Batman, everybody's equal to him physically. But he can't help himself. He still kills people. Well, I mean, like even uh, leaving aside like him actually physically killing people, two things. First, like in this story, that he doesn't like force everyone to leave Gotham. And the people in Gotham are being pressed into chain gangs. They're slaves. They're killed by the gang. So he's passively allowing other people to be killed. Mm-hmm. Well, he also was mentally sure. affected. Yeah. And then more than that, like if if he was trying to avoid, I realize this is like apples and oranges, I guess, but shouldn't Bruce Wayne have these foundations to keep food in the bellies of the hungry? Shouldn't that be something he cares about? Or should he be fighting to end gun oh, violence yeah. or something like that? 
I mean, I think in Batman, the closest that you've ever gone to it is Batman Incorporated, right? Where he, but even with that Batman Incorporated, he builds an army instead of feeding the people. But that's yeah. that's the thing, though, right? That's the. I don't know if anybody has ever. I mean, people always joke about it. Oh, his superpower is being rich. If he would have just paid off the poor people, they wouldn't be <laughs> they wouldn't be crime and all that stuff. Yeah. But I I genuinely think people like him don't think that you need to give a handout to people <laughs> maybe maybe batman so you're saying is, he's a jeff bezos uh elon musk sort of person yeah he's a wealthy you know fiscally conservative uh socially liberal <laughs> superhero well, frank, frank miller calls him a fascist yeah and he is I mean, you know, it's the idea of Superman and Batman best friends from two ends. Superman is the, you know, immigrant socialist, you know, farm worker, you know, unionized newspaper worker uh, who's who could be like the Superman could be the richest guy in the world. Right. If he wanted to. They chooses to be ordinary. Yeah. Just to live in an apartment. And Bruce inherited his money and used it to fight evil yeah. but not help good but in his way he's fighting it his way in his own very specific way yeah mm -hmm. so i know we were talking about what we wanted to read next but we have yeah. we have an obvious choice that we haven't talked about so wrightson and starlin had the sequel planned to batman the cult oh wow which didn't get published by dc they reworked it and they turned it into Punisher POV, which oh. Marvel published. So I think we should read Punisher POV. I have those issues. I just don't know where they are. I'll have to look for it. I'm going to jump on eBay, I think, and, and look for them. I know we were talking about reading other stuff by um, either of these guys, and I'd be up for that too. But I think we kind of have to read POV and yeah. see where they were going to go with it. Oh, yeah, that would be interesting. That's a great, great choice. I'll look for it, yeah. Same era, same folks. In fact, Ray's doing the coloring again, too. Mm. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Samir. I'm so glad we got to read this. Thanks, Jason. Oh, thank you.